Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 40K Fireside Podcast. I'm David Gaylor, and I'm joined by my good friend, Vic Vijay. Together, we discuss 40K in the meta from our perspective, along with events we've recently been to and those that have got coming up. So come on down to the fireside and listen. All right, and welcome back, everyone, to episode 19 of 40K Fireside. It is a pleasure to have you here with me and Dave. Uh, today we're going to be focusing mainly on the London Open, which is a major event in uh, London, England. Uh, it's one of the UKTC events and, um, you know, it used to be one of these smaller kind of majors um, compared to some of the super major events, but it's really grown in size and mm-hmm. now it's coming up to about 200 players at this event. Um, I think it's, ooh, let me correct you on that, I think it's about 160. 160, okay. 150, My... 160, yeah. Okay, so it's still a, it's still a big amount of growth from last time. Though. It's definitely a massive event, but it's not one of the absolutely huge ones. But what's quite interesting about this one is that a lot of the really good players in the country are attending this event. So we've mm-hmm. got a lot to talk about. We're in a meta, which is, you know, um, uh, probably a little bit hostile for everyone. Um, so <laughs> we've, uh, me and Dave aren't running the problem unit in the meta, the Desolation Marines. And we've got a lot to talk about on that regard of how to manage um, a meta that is like this. So, uh, yeah. yeah, Dave, what, do you want to run quickly through the the points that we're going to talk about today and maybe a little plug? on? Yeah, so yeah. I think we'll, uh, I'm going to do this first in case I forget. Mm-hmm. Drop us a uh, like, comment, and subscribe. Ha, I did it. <laughs> no, but uh, seriously, guys, tell your friend about 40K Fireside Podcast. We, Vic and I have been doing this for, I guess, four or five months now, maybe a bit longer. And we're coming up to episode 20. I know we only put out an episode every couple of weeks, you know, something like that when we play tournaments, but we kind of keep a quality over quantity approach here. You know, there's been a few times where Vic and I have said, ah, oh, you know, we could make an episode, but like, we don't really have like a lot of deep and meaningful insight to provide on a topic. So we that's our kind of take on it. But we are going to potentially think about doing something exciting for uh, a thousand subscribers on YouTube. Now, I know not everyone subscribes on YouTube. They either might go on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, and we get a lot more of our content views from there. Um, I think we just hit 2,000 unique listeners on our previous episode, which is, or even more than that if you count all of our platforms, which is kind of crazy. But I know if you're a dedicated listener out there, you probably already told your friends about it already. But any uh, any support is great, and we're thinking about how we can kind of expand the podcast uh, coming into this year as the game grows. But aside from that, uh, we're going to run through what Vic and I are taking. And then in addition, we are going to be chatting about uh, a couple of the other top lists at the event and what this might mean for the future. And finally, in the last part of the episode, we'll be talking about the balanced data slate, what we're hoping to have already have seen. <laughs> uh, be nice if it comes out soon. <laughs> Would have been nice if it came out before the tournament. Uh, but um, yeah, what, what, what we'd hope, uh, you know, we'll, I'll give you the uh, unbiased opinion. Well, hopefully, but, you know. <laughs> Fantastic. We'll uh, see you guys on the other side of a little jazz break. Okay, and we're back to talk about the London Open. So... The London Open uh, meta is uh, kind of what we expect, to be honest. Um, we're seeing uh, a, a large number of, lo- of top players switching over or continuing to play on Marines. 
Um, and in particular, we've seen a little bit of a shift away from Space Wolves moving on to particularly Dark Angels and Iron Hands now, which kind of makes sense to me. I think they have a, a few less counters in the meta than Space Wolves have. Um, and we've got a number of top players there. So we've got Manny Malik and Alex Packford all on Dark Angels. We've got Alex Harrison and our new teammate, Chris Radford, uh, joined Team Ignite on, hey. <laughs> yeah, what a legend, on Iron Hands. Um, we've also got Nassim at the event, and Nassim is running Imperial Guard rather than uh, than Iron Hands, which we kind of get suspected he might switch over to Iron Hands, but he's, he's stuck at it with the Astra Militarum. Mm. Dave's also on the Astra Militarum. And then we've got a few other good players on Eldar. We've got Conrad, me, uh, we've got Clement and Daniel Whittaker all playing Eldar. So mm -hmm. a little bit of representation on that side. But that's that's really the kind of very uh, like known players there. Um, and it, we don't exactly have the stats of the rest of the meta split, but that's a pretty good indication of what's doing well in the meta. Should I look it up right now, actually? I'm going to I'm gonna look at some. One, two, three. There's 10 guard players. Okay. Dark Angels. And then there's 11 Dark Angels players. Oh, interesting. And then Iron Hands. There's four Iron Hands players. And Adeptus Astartes, uh, there's another three on top of that. I know mm -hmm. one of them is, is an Iron Hands player. Mm -hmm. So that puts us about five Iron Hand players and then Space Wolves. Uh, we've got about four there. So five and four is 11. There's 20 of the uh, 20 players running a combination of Space Wolves, Iron Hands, or, um, or Dark Angels at the event out of 149 players. So it's quite a large representation there. I think that's nice. very, uh, very big. What would be another popular one? World Eaters, maybe? um no not too many there's about six there so yeah, yeah it's it's definitely i think if we look at the meta at the london open as an evolution of manchester mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of telling st statistics there now i did make a comment in manchester that in round four all of the guard players would lose and they did mm -hmm. every single guard player and there were six of them going into round four without with zero of them being in a tournament winning position after round four and i think that's re that statistic really shows uh going into the london open because guard were the most popular faction going into manchester super major and mm -hmm. now we are maybe third or fourth here now uh chaos demons uh has another 10 as well so it's um it's definitely been a little bit of a shift in garden and i i know that pain for sure it's mm -hmm. uh it's tough isn't it right now yeah <laughs> for a lot but, of people i uh, i would say with and this is something i think you get stick for on the internet which i think is a bit unfair which is saying that guard requires a bit of skill to really succeed with it and i <laughs> i agree with you because i also <laughs> went into that round four looking at the pairings and being like yeah, I mean, there's a skill disadvantage here for all of the guard players. It's yeah. it, it was it was like that was part of the issue alongside yeah. a list disadvantage, yeah. and the only way you can compensate for that list disadvantage is with a skill advantage. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how you and Nas kind of perform with your Astra Militarum lists at this event. Yeah, because um, I would I would say that counterwise to that, mm. the top of the meta is relatively similar, right? So mm. the combination of Dark Angels, Iron Hands, and Space Wolves surveillance of desolation marines which we're going to be talking about a lot today so if you don't like that then you know maybe skip 50 minutes um but you know that actually the top end hasn't actually changed that much i think there's been a swell a groundswell of change in the bottom uh, or ie factions that are not playing that uh that, that unit um mm -hmm. and we've seen that with guard uh, in particular because i think guard was maybe is is the maybe the most susceptible faction to the desolation marine because 
they not only get countered by the indirect, but also the direct fire as well. Yeah, the profiles are very uh, aggressively tailored to dealing with guard. Um, so let's move on to some happier stuff. Let's talk about our list, man. So that's happy. Uh, I think that's really are you playing happy. Playing Desolation Marines, are you happy? Because <laughs> I am not playing Desolation Marines, and I'm still playing Eldar, and yeah. I am getting so much love from the community for actually sticking to Eldar <laughs> through this. Um, and everyone's like asking me to come on to their podcast, talk about it, and things. So I've uh, yeah, bastion of hope. I am yeah, so I, I'm here with my Eldar and I had a really good run at Manchester getting through some Desolation Marine armies and mm-hmm. I've kind of adapted my list because I went into Manchester without knowledge of how intense the Desolation Marine uptake would be. Mm. But now I know. <laughs> so Do you think I, before you go in, mm. do you think the intense it has intensified even more? Because sometimes we see in a meta, mm. um, say Manchester, where it kind of explodes and is extremely intense in the top tables, and then people you know, um, kind of counter that, and then you're a week behind the meta. Do you think, I mean, do you think people have gone to all the top players have then tried to counter Desolation Marines so there's actually less in total, or do you think actually it's just as intense as it was before? I think it's it's optimized now, because if you look at all of the top Dark Angels and Iron Hands players and what they're bringing, they're all being bringing 3 by 5 Desolation three Marines, five. and I think that is optimal, to just lean mm-hmm. into the Vangor launches, um, and I thought maybe someone might try and just shift everything and just completely skew as a counter to the Desolation yeah. Marines, but none of these players have. They've all kind of mm. stuck with it and kind it's of a, dug in a bit deeper into it almost. It's a common theme that we're going to talk about later in the episode, which is my one graft with this, is that the only counter to Desolation Marines, it seems to be, is to play your own indirect to uh, to a point, which is frustrating but mm-hmm. Vic, you were playing some indirect as well <laughs> i am i mean i was playing a bit of indirect before and um, i'm still playing quite a similar amount of indirect here uh, just with a shift in the type of units that i'm taking so um my list is a far-flung craft world it's uh, expert crafters and masterful shots which is ignore cover and reroll of wound that's the one i've kind of been sticking with rather than swift strikes yeah. you've been playing that for a long time right yeah, I've got through lots of games with it now and, you know, been having pretty good success against a variety of armies and uh, even against the Desolation Marine uh, unit. So I hope people find uh, find this interesting and useful. Um, I've had a few people in the community try my list design and have some real success with it as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you listen to this and you find it interesting, give it a go. Um, the list starts off with uh, two Phoenix Lords. So I've got Baharoth which is auto take, but I've also got Irolith in my list. So Irolith is the Shadow Spectre um, Phoenix what? Lord. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen this model on the table. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> so Irolith, I think, is a little bit of a hidden gem. Um, and I think Irolith has been good for a while. The model is actually out of production, but the unit is not in Legends. Um, okay. The unit is not very powerful, but it fits the role very well of a second Phoenix Lord here. Is it one of those things where it's maybe not that good, but because the meta shifts and the defensive profile shift, suddenly it becomes good? Yeah, I think I just wanted second Phoenix Lord, and then everything Mm. else is kind of like, nothing's perfect here. Let's go for like what I think would work the best. Mm -hmm. And I think Irolith with the 12-inch move, it is a jump pack unit. Um, It's got a a good gun as well, a damage 3, strength 8, AP 4 gun. Low mm-hmm. number of shots, only three shots, but 
actually it's a very convenient profile for this meta yeah um and yeah apart from that it's just phoenix lord defensive profile for some primary control which i think is is critical when you're going into an indirect meta because yeah. you lose um a lot of your units like you can't just throw one unit onto an objective and expect mm. to hold it because that yep. unit will get disintegrated and your opponent will use their indirect fire as control for your primary score and their phase cap right so both of the mm -hmm. baharoth and the Earlith, you can only deal three damage Correct. to a turn right not only so... they phase cap but they're also obsec so um, uh, yeah. it's, it's a very good primary control unit yeah allows um, you to hold an objective in the open right exactly which is important for uktc because all of the objectives outside your deployment zone are pretty much in the open um and then we've got a farcia skyrunner um i've included some fluff because this this is very much like um the, the craftful mimera kind of lore um so this farcia is there head farcia guy um he's got <laughs> i know I, I'm, living, I'm living my best life man. Uh, so <laughs> i've got he's got executioner and the gain of cp he's also got kernos's bow but i haven't taken the warlord trait in this list um just kernos's mm -hmm. bow i just found it's found you know it, it's not really worth the cp for the, the second part of this in this um i've got five corsairs sticking to the lore because they came and helped find erlet's armor in the lore <laughs> and then, so the corsairs are here <laughs> <laughs> then we've got um, six Dire Avengers. Uh, we've got two Warlock Skyrunners. Um, there's a little bit of new tech. Both of them have Quicken and Restraint, so no Protect Jinx in this list. And one of them has the Phoenix Gem in case he blows his head off. I don't lose both Warlocks that way. I still keep that one alive. Um, blows his head off means Perils and then dies, right? <laughs> Perils and then dies. He's only okay, a three-wound yeah. Psyker. So, and so you, I take it you want to cast Quicken and Restraint in, in a lot of games, right? Restrain actually uh, yeah. quite good against those models that can only move five inches at a time. I've just found restraint restrain really good just generally. Um yeah. so even not just against Dark Angels, just again like if I play against Space Wolves, just like pinning one of the jump pack units, uh yeah. reduce them to six inch movement is a lot more value that I yeah, huge value. Um and then we've got the indirect fire component. I've got two single D cannons down from my three D cannons from before. Um two night spinners with shuriken cannons and crystal targeting matrix. We've got a war walker, a single war walker uh, is kind of my replacement for the ranger squad i used to have in um mm. i found that i can block out pods just with a single war walker um and he's kind of like almost like my striking scorpions as well which i'm missing in this list because you can just run at your turn one and try and get behind enemy lines <laughs> um, and then i've got a light traveling patrol um because uh Irulith basically um, saw my mirror in his dreams and i think it was the harlequins who did that so the, i've got a shadow seer two units of five troops <laughs> one of them has a kiss and an embrace just uh, just to clarify you're not joking right now right like you're actually playing no this is actually from <laughs> imperial armor volume 11 and i have quoted <laughs> that in my list <laughs> you guys can't tell what my my face is like in my palm of my hand right now <laughs> there's somebody out there who's gonna become like a big fan of me after this so um i've got a death jester with harvest reform in favor of segarak the usual combo I've got two Star Weavers and an interesting new little tech piece. Instead of the third Shroud Runner unit, I've got two Sky Weavers here. Um, mm. Just to uh, the 22-inch move, the AP3 profile on the guns, very um, very relevant for this meta. With method. the bowlers? With the bowlers. And yeah. I, I don't have the rates here in this list, which I had before. So I've actually got a unit which can tuck into the middle L um and and be at least a little bit forward deployed so no twilight pathway so you can't double move in there right oh yeah i have my shadow has got mirror ah. of minds and twilight pathway so i have oh, got yeah. like a chunky move uh, on turn yeah. one if needed um, i like those 
Yeah, just to tag tag up, you know, if I can tag up some Desolation Marines, that would be amazing. And now anyone who's listened to this podcast will keep their Desolation Marines a few inches further back. That's great. That's what, that's what we're trying to do, though. That's the, those are the incremental wins that we go for. Just keep the Desolation Marines a few inches back. So uh, that's my list, man. And actually, I'm really loving it. Um, so I think it's, you know, not the strongest list in the world, but it's got every tool needed to give everyone a game. And that's the, the position I'd love to be in. Yeah. I found in all my practice games against Marines, I was the one who was kind of controlling the tempo. Mm -hmm. And a big part of that is like what you said to me, which was people don't really know how this list actually plays on the board. If you look yep. at it on, on a piece of paper, it just looks like a bunch of nonsense. Yep. Um, and it is a bunch of nonsense, but it's nonsense way, which all comes together quite well. So yeah. I'm looking forward to kind of testing my metal against uh, some of these stronger lists. Yeah, but, uh, you know, of course, playing Elder, you've got a huge, huge, um, uh, capacity for player uh, expression there, right? Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. where really where it gets amplified the most, doesn't it? Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think that that's an exciting part of 40k, I think, yep. being able to express your player skill. Uh, but that's enough about me and the elves, Dave. I think there are a lot of people who play Imperial Guard, a lot of people play Astro Militarum and want to really know <laughs> about what can you do to deal with this nonsense indirect meta. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, it's funny because I said on the last podcast episode, I was like, I'm not playing guard. Nuts. I'm not going to do it. But um, guess what? I lied. So, uh, you know, I'm unashamedly, I told a little bit of a porcupine, a little bit of a fib, <laughs> because I knew that there was going to be some people that would listen to that and be like, no, he's not. He's going to play something. So I was like, you know what? I'll tell a little porcupine. But, um, you know, I've been enjoying the guard. And I, you know, it's funny because I think you and I, Maybe you more so because you've been playing the game longer, but I have basically always played the strongest army in the game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, within a 15, you know, within a 5 to 7% difference, right? Mm -hmm. Strongest army in the game within that. Uh, but this tournament feels like one of those ones where I'm really not playing the strongest army in the game by a reasonable margin. Mm -hmm. uh, also, when I play Demons at Coventry as well. Um Demons weren't uh, demons weren't great there either. So it's a little bit of a strange situation, you know. I didn't, I wasn't in the space. But, you know, the problem is I was still really enjoying Gut, mm -hmm. and I really enjoy the playstyle and the expression in it, and things are very strong. But you know, there's there's no getting around the fact that Desolation Marines are just brutal against your army. So um, I wanted to try and think of a way that you could you know play against them, and there are really two different ways that you can approach this and i think most people in the in the meta have gone this way as well and i think if you were to take a closer look at the shift of the underbelly of the meta non-desolation marines you would find that it either gravitates towards one or two of these positions and i think yours is a you've got transport options so it's the same but people leaning into more indirect to go right against those profiles mm -hmm. or going into more durability, more transport, more duo phase, um, uh, defensive profiles, uh, duo phase. I mean, um, you know, transports or melee plus some phase capping or something. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to play guard and I didn't want to give up on it. Um, so, uh, you know, what? I, I went through quite a bit of experimentation and initially I thought, you know what, there are a lot of limitations to desolation Marines. Uh, but what I think has happened is that some players have gravitated towards, like you said, Vic, the Iron Hands build, which which previously lacked that mm. um, you know utility that Desolation Marines had, where mm -hmm. you could maybe blow something up and then shoot what's inside it with the Bingo launchers, 
it desolation marines i think are the best in iron hands i think iron hands might be the best army in the game but i mean it's so close mm-hmm. between you know dark angels iron hands you know space wolves you know just insert generic marine <laughs> um data sheet uh, into those and you know it's uh, it's pretty much the same i mean all these lists are very very similar to each other um to their previous predecessor lists you know iron hands dark angels those lists haven't really innovated much because i think they're pretty much found out once you stick 400 500 odd points of indirect in there 600 sorry uh you know there's not a lot of wiggle room so you're basically just playing the data sheets um that you ought to be taking there mm-hmm. so anyway back to god i i played a few games and got absolutely destroyed uh by my teammates uh Jocko and chris mm-hmm. uh and brian as well and you know i just thought you know maybe there's some answer you know to these desolation marines and um you know i was looking at uh you know the other side of the equation all of a sudden which is the uh what if i just shoot their indirect with my indirect and so i thought you know there's a couple of options guard have there they have got some indirect but the difference between mortars and all the other indirect in the guard book is like night and day you know mortars are incredible into some platforms but you know honestly into marines and dark angels they're actually not that good. You're taking more or less two up saves if you're in cover, which all of their infiltrate, um, all of their desolation marines are, and then they could simply shoot your mortars off and die anyway with their Vengal launcher, which mm-hmm. is basically what they're designed to kill. So, you know, mortars not really that good. Then we've got the field ordnance battery, which is the new model range on the 80 millimeter base, uh, which can move, and it's sort of like a night spinner, right? It's a considerably less tanky though but it can get an order yep uh but it is strength seven negative two flat two yeah same profile which, mm-hmm. yep which is an average of seven shots uh on 2d6 so that's all that's an all right option but its fragility means that it could probably get killed you've then got the basilisk which is a 140 point indirect unit which has a off the top of my head i want to say a strength 10 negative three damage two mm-hmm. uh d6 plus three it can be ordered to reroll ones uh so that's the, the order well it's the order it can get but it'll be mostly hitting on fives then uh so the best list is interesting it provides a more durable chassis so because it's t7 and three up base save it's quite difficult for the vengal launchers to get through that and in a game that goes 10 turns sure like your battlers are going to win outright and then there's the one uh then there's the one <laughs> <laughs> here we go <laughs> there's <laughs> there's this thing called the earth shaker uh carriage battery i'm gonna look at hold up i'm gonna just make sure i'm getting it right here because you know i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to bastardize it uh it's the earthshaker carriage battery yes uh, i mean i should know this because I'm, I'm playing three of them <laughs> so the earthshaker ba- carriage battery um man it's a bit of a tongue twister is an old forge world unit guys now this model costs 100 pounds per month <laughs> oh on. my goodness and it's 120 points so it's almost one pound <laughs> <laughs> so obviously i'm not uh i'm not going to forge one I'm, I'm i'm going to print my own well i have printed my own there and uh painting them up and then putting all the guard fluff and everything and all the decals and stuff so um so why am i playing the shaker about um so it has d6 plus three shots it can be ordered for the regimental orders which is quite big because it means that you can take aim it so you can get plus one to hit and then you can get plus one AP. So that means that if it's not shooting through dense, it hits on fours, which is, you know, a lot better than all the other guard indirect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's strength 10, negative four with take aim, damage two. And if you play three of them, uh, you should be getting an average of around about 19 and a half to 20 shots, uh, hitting on fours. 
uh, six is auto wound. And then, of course, if you're smart like me, then you're playing the one unit of three. So you can spend one CP to auto wound on fives to hit with the Born Soldier stratagem. So that's that's the tech. I mean, it, it, it basically kills. It really depends on the matchup because Iron Hands have the uh, Feel No Pain and Dark Angels have the Apothecary. But if they don't have that, uh, then it kind of kills like five Desolation Marines in cover. And they're 120 points. And their largest drawback, though, is that they are very large. <laughs> they're a bit huge. <laughs> they are they're chunky boys. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to, I will be tucking them in my, uh, in my L. Uh, as best as I possibly mm-hmm. can. There's some, there's some, you know, um, configurations where you can use them. That you can have like two in the L and then one behind the L, and yeah. you know, and obscuring and stuff. But hopefully, I mean, people just won't be able to get those extreme angles back into the bottom of my L to shoot. And you know, just go. It, obviously, it has to be said that the UKTCO, uh, I think, from any terrain format, uh, amplifies the power of indirect fire simply because if we do have those large um, uh, L ruins. Uh, you know the big legacy ones from uh, itc8 edition yeah uh, but um yeah so the, what's the rest of the list the rest of the list is uh, i'm playing katie command school with the ogren uh, i've got a um death core marshal now i've got a little bit of tech here and spoiler alert what you can do is you can take the laurels of command which is a uh, relic that gives them the upgrade to allow you to do a order in the command phase which is really cool it's a cool piece of tech and what you can do is you can order your Earthshaker batteries to be in cover, so you can get that three-up base save for one turn, which is uh, could be the difference maker versus these AP2 Vink launches. Nice. <laughs> so even if I go second, maybe there's some chance I can still shoot them with all three. Uh, and then what else have I got? I've got... Uh, I'm only running... i got a Tank Commander with all Flamers. I've got another Lehman Russ with all Flamers. I've got three units of 10 Shock Troops, so I'm still running a good amount of infantry there. I've got two Chimeras, and I've got two units of 10 Kassigan. So I've got one with Mechanized Infantry, one with the Barbican's Key and Brutal Strength. Just max volley shots on all of them. Then I'm playing uh, two armored, one unit of two Armored Sentinels, one unit of one Armored Sentinel... No, I'm playing one unit of three Armored Sentinels, one Armored Sentinel solo, <laughs> and then three Scout Sentinels as well. So, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, in a meta this kind of roll-offy and just chucking dice at your opponent's, I just figured, you know what? Maybe my luck's going to turn around once and I'm just going to go first in one of these really important <laughs> games. And guess what? I've got three Oshaker batteries. I've got two Chimeras and I've got my whole army that can redeploy basically and, and then take the whole board position. And then I've got three Scout Sentinels that are going to move with four rerolls to hit and wound and charge you on turn one. So <laughs> yeah. go have fun. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some Alpha Strike involved in there, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so I, I think this list is really good, Dave. I think you've got every single Dude. tool, somehow managed to squeeze everything in. Yeah. Um, oh, I forgot. I've got yeah. one unit of three mortars as well. That was the big oh, one I was thinking. Because nice. I was like, should I go Sly Marbo? Because they're both 50-ish points. Mm. Can I go Sly Marbo? And Sly Marbo can score you boots on the ground for the guard plays out there. Uh, which is kind of re- which is a really good option into Vengo launches. If you play Sly Marble, you can get boots on the ground and character protect him. So it's really hard to kill there. And then he can maybe deep strike and then maybe hit some uh, Desolation Marines on the charge, mm-hmm. perhaps. Uh, but I went with the Mortar Squad because uh, against Infiltrators, you can proc the save Helix on them first, mm-hmm. and then you can shoot them with your um, uh, Earthshakers. And then you can still get boots on the ground with them. And I wanted a little bit of hedge against um, armies like Demons and maybe some Eldari or something like that too. Yeah. But that was a really close call. And I think the heavy, the three-man mortar is just a little bit nice because you can you can still put four rolls to hit and wound on them. Mm-hmm. You've still got that um, max utility for just playing one uh, with that last lot as well. 
No, I really like it. I think that single unit of mortars is a lot of value. Um, mm. And, you know, you're not just going to play Marines all time. Hopefully not. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, you are going to play other stuff. And mortars are generally quite um, quite an awesome unit for the points. So mm. um, I think, you know, you've got everything you need here, Dave. You just need a few things to go your way. And sometimes that's that's how you fight an uphill meta. Um, yeah. Just hope that, you know, in the games where it counts, um you uh i like it david gaylard shake and bake, <laughs> shake and bake. Um, the thing is you can uh i think a lot of so perhaps some viewers will be in a similar situation to this right you can in a tournament where maybe you're not playing the best army in the game you can design a well-rounded list to maybe lose on average every game by 10 percent, and then hopefully you know on player skill leverage you'll be winning at even or winning that game perhaps mm. right or you can maybe take a little bit of risk and just accept that risk up front and just say look i'm a little bit behind but under these circumstances i can really win and i think as a i'm interested to hear what you think about this too but as kind of someone at the top when there's a when there's maybe a, a lower skilled player playing a list like that and accepting that argument from the get-go with their list it makes me a little bit worried because actually the truth is you know, even if someone has a 15% chance to beat me, that's a lot better than what they normally would because they're taking a little bit of a risk and actually the chances of them winning are dramatically higher. And if it's just one game, then, you know, hey, roll the dice, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. And uh, yeah, that's the life we're living as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oh, dear. Well, uh, you know, we've talked about our lists. We've gone through some analysis on why we've made the choices that we've made. And I think it would be a good idea to touch on a couple of the Space Marine factions that are seeing some prevalent use at the top of the meta. And we're going to split this up between Dark Angels and Iron Hands. And um, uh, you've been talking for a bit, so shall I, uh, shall I hit go, up some... Uh, go for some... the Iron Hands. I think you should start with Chris Redford's list. Do you uh, think so? Yeah, of course. So... Because it's kind of a, a list, I think, that is born out of our team uh, in a lot of... I mean, not saying that we completely innovated the list, but both Brian, Jocko, and Chris uh, work together on this list to yeah, come to Chris kind of a, a conclusion. Chris, Chris and Jocko and Brian, they've all got this awesome uh, Iron Hands list. So just to go through it, um, it is Iron Hands successes uh, with Whirlwind of Rage, uh, which is the Exploding Sixes, I think, and Master Artisans, which is a reroll, a hit roll, a withdraw. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's got a Primaris Lieutenant, um with rights of war uh opsec horror uh, he's got a primaris tech marine with target protocols which gives another reroll to hit or wound uh that's a nice little bit of tech just to get a lot of value out of one of the vengor launches um he's got two mm-hmm. units of infiltrators free helix gauntlets now relic contemptor the usual outrageous guy um <laughs> with merciless logic uh he's got one scout squad did he not get the second one nope just one scout squad um three single land speeder tornado tornadoes and a land speeder storm to go with the scout marines he's got two units of five vanguard veterans um and three times five desolation marines all with super crack uh and one of them has a master crafted vengor launcher for the damage three he's got two units of five devastator marines uh three grab one melter and a drop pod to carry them um so that's a very powerful well-rounded list with a good secondary game a um, little bit of primary control from the scouts and the infiltrators and an insane amount of output across the game <laughs> so oh, yeah yeah um this is a proper like i will score 100 on you if you can't deal with me uh kind of list and it's awesome yeah. for this format mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's this list is i think been the one that's improved 
maybe improve the most, but obviously Inanza is already strong, but this mm. is where Desolation Marines really cover a lot of bases where, because in a large part, you are kind of single phase activation outside of your Vanguard veterans, mm -hmm. but you know, it's not guaranteed that you get to use them offensively mm. because people will target them. You know, you get to pop up in transports and then shoot them with your vehicle launchers and, uh, and then your, um, you know, the, the other indirect that they have as well. Uh, so, I mean, it just covers the base and it offers such a strong shooting um, element to the list. You know, obviously, then you can, you know, I think in Irons and Iron Hands, you can actually afford to play them a bit more aggressively and just pop out and shoot everything as well. Because once they counter punch to shoot that, you've got your redemptor looking at everything as well. And the Iron Hands secondaries and units that you can take really allow you to just consistently score things like uh, Oath of Moments. But, you know, obviously, Codex Warfare as well, guys. Uh, super easy. And Shock Tactics is really good in this list as well mm -hmm. uh, because it's got a really good speed element to it, which is something that just feels, you know, if it didn't have the speed, like it wouldn't be such a big deal, but it's got the speed, hasn't it? No, oh, it has. And it comes in waves. It's just a really tough list to deal with. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a characteristic of these Marine lists is the fact that they get so much stuff in their list. It does feel like you're getting hit by uh, kind of three separate waves across the course mm. of the game. And you deal with one, you kind of slightly overcommit to deal with the first layer. Let's say in this case, it's kind of like um, the uh, Devastator Marines and the Vanguard Vets. Mm -hmm. um, you just about deal with those guys, but in order to deal with them, you've kind of exposed yourself. And then the second layer hits you, which is the attrition from the Desolation Marines and the Contemptor. Yeah. Um, and then you've got these little land speeders that you go and try and deal with and you trade down because actually they're only 70 points, which is outrageous. So, yep. um, and yes. with Master Artisans, they can maybe get into targets they really want to get into. Mm -hmm. and it's really um, tough. And it's really difficult to say, for example, we're playing my list with the Earthshaker Carriage what element do you do you shoot into first do you shoot the desolation marines first do you mm. split because of the stratagem do you shoot the vanguard vets do you shoot the infiltrators do you shoot the land speeders i mean i wish i could shoot all of them but, but uh obviously you can't so it's it's really tough man you I, I don't know the honest answer maybe you just shoot everything else and then hope that they fade their uh you know, the Vingo launcher rolls one shot, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I played against Yokel and Chris, and um, I there were so many targets that I didn't actually shoot my indirect at the Desolation Marines at all. I just tried to, like, kill the stuff in front of me uh, so that yeah. I don't get overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, the only so... benefit is that the Desolation Marines are the one thing that don't have the speed, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, I can really understand the argument. If you hit the things with the speed, then you can maybe play around them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I mean, so that's the, so we've got Alex Harrison on one. He's just basically swapped out some of the more balanced elements for a bit of um, Alpha Strike. He's got, a, he's got quite a bit different list, though. He has. He's, he's got the double Invicta Warsuit. Mm -hmm. So those guys can forward deploy, and it essentially just leans fully into an Alpha Strike here, mm -hmm. uh, which makes sense. I mean, uh, the other option for uh, winning against an indirect meta is just to Alpha Strike it. Yep. Um, he's got Triple Devastator. He's only got two units of Desolation Marines here. Uh, mm -hmm. And he's also the yeah. Gladiator Reaper. And he's got a Gladiator Reaper, yeah. So no scuffs. Uh, mm. Yeah, interesting. Fair enough. Very uh, kind of similar style, but different. <laughs> um, yeah. So the I wonder if there's a little bit of model availability issue, if I'm being honest, because I don't think the, Glad the Gladiator Reaper sticks out as being a little bit of a weird choice, whereas you could maybe get a speeder plus scouts. So... Mm -hmm. maybe yeah. something like that or just because... another desolation marine squad yeah just more wait you're only playing 10 desolation mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i missed that he's only got 10 yeah that's interesting isn't it yeah but he's mm -hmm. got the uh, yeah i mean this list is still really strong uh, and with the invicta look 
I mean, I can't be hypocritical of, of what I just said before as well. You know, sometimes you're just going to roll and go first, right? Yeah, and just punch him in the face. Yep. Mm-hmm. Get him with the Invicta <laughs> Claw, I think it's called. <laughs> awesome. So that's the Iron Hand side. And uh, we've got three really good players on the Dark Angels. Actually, the Dark Angels list, you know, it's one of those lists that just makes me feel a little bit sick, to be honest, because it's not fun to play with. It's not fun to play against. And I it think makes you wonder who's having fun at I, the table. I'm actually because... a little bit disappointed that all three of these players have stuck and carried on with this, to be honest, because there is a point where you get bored with this kind of list. Um... The, the, we all know that I played this list like three times for our team as a testing. I was bored after like turn two of game one. Yeah. These, these lists are, are incredibly dull. And um, they've only got more dull, like the latest iterations. Yeah. It's only yeah, at least worse. before you can play like speeders and stuff. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. Go on, Dave. Okay. Take well, it would be rude not to start with uh, the champion of Manchester. So we'll start with Manny Chima's list. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a. He's playing the acolyte now, which I think is something that a lot of the Imperium factions are picking up on. The ten point character. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you've got ten points, he's a good thing to do a banner with. Uh, you can chuck it. He doesn't really. Well, Okay, I'll take that back. You know, one, two, three, four characters now. So mm, you probably five. still not He's got it. Blade Guard Ancient as well. So he's got five. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Okay. That's what I was thinking. So, you know, Assassination is not, uh, you know, it's not terrible because mm-hmm. they will take behind enemy lines. And to score behind enemy lines with two Raven Wing Telemasters will mean that they will choose to do that. So you can potentially get Assassinate on there, which is, mm-hmm. you know, there you go, guys. Uh, but anyway, playing the Acolyte 10 point character, uh, he's got a captain, decisive tactician, or a, I don't know what that does. Um, I think that's the second obsec. No, that's oh, is it not? My bad. running a professional podcast here, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Just give us some time, or we're, we're definitely not on Wahapedia right now. Uh... Uh, okay, well, oh, it's it? plus one to advantage and charge. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good one. Okay, plus one to advantage. So that's on the Primaris Captain, fair. Yeah, so what what that is is that there are some breakpoints where if you maybe if you're taking oath of moments, then you need to get, you know, maybe you need to roll like a three to advance to get in the middle of the objective from some of the ruins. I know mm-hmm. that came up in many and I's game. So that's just plus one to advance there. But it does cost for cool. a CP. So, uh, and then we've got Rights of War on the Talon Master. And then we've got Arbiter's Gaze, of course. Arbiter's Gaze being extremely good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's got a Blade Guard Ancient with the um, uh, Obsec. Uh, or double obsec if you are obsec, mm-hmm. and then That's... he's also got the pennant, which is the minus one damage. Uh, he's got two units of 10 uh, death and terminators, of course, two cyclones, we've all been there, and another unit of five, 25 total. Two land speeders with multi melters. The fact that those things are 60 points is just ridiculous. <laughs> <a> bit sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he's got 15 desolation marines. Now, what I thought was interesting here is that he has opted not to take the uh, damage crafting. three mm. Vingle launcher. So I think Manny is the only person not playing that, which to be honest with you, I mean, I'm happy about because mm. the damage three breakpoint into my uh, Earthshaker is quite big. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, I mean, I'm, I'm happy about that. But um, it's an interesting choice because he has got the CP there to do it. And I know he's, st- he's taken, for example, Decisive Tactician just over uh, over the Mastercraft of Vingle launcher, right? Maybe yeah, well, he's still got a CP in his list, so he wants to start at one for some reason. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good two command point stratagems. Uh, yep. So, yeah, he's probably holding off for one of those. The overrun, hit and run stratagem. 
Yeah, council stationary, obviously. Exactly. So maybe Uh, he wants that if in case he goes first. So who knows? But he hasn't got it, um, and he hasn't got an apothecary. Yeah, yeah. I'm (laughs) glad you brought it up because that's another great thing that I'm looking at. Um, The apothecary provides the uh, six up feel no pain against uh, damage, of course, and allows you to revive the desolation squad. So the apoc is very good at an attrition based game and and, and an indirect war, Mm -hmm. and I think that. I mean, no doubt Manny will know better than myself on this list, but I feel like that one would have been a good one to have, maybe. Yeah, the, the combo of um, kind of your Vengor launcher dies and then you re- you regenerate your Vengor launcher after yep. it's shot on death um, yep. is really, really powerful. Yeah, uh, and so... you could, for example, drop the Captain and the Acolyte uh, and that would be 90 points to the Raven Wing Apoch Theory. Um, so, yeah, yeah it's an interesting choice. Um, um, I mean, have Alex and um, Malik both got the apothecary? Yeah, so yeah, they do. They both have it as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Malik and Alex, are former teammates of ours, are playing very similar lists. Uh, they, interestingly enough, have opted against Arbiter's Gaze on the Ravenwing Telemaster, which is a bit strange to me because it's. I think it's potentially the best upgrade in the game. Maybe uh, they have both got uh, look. Um, uh, no Mastercrafted Vengo launcher here either, Dave. What? No. Let's check no, no, Malik's no. one. Malik's, Malik's does have a Mastercrafted Vengo launcher. Malik's, Malik's does. Alex's doesn't. Yeah. So I think Malik is playing what looks to be about uh, 18 Terminators, but he is playing two Whirlwind Scorpiuses and 15 <laughs> Desolation Marines. So uh, you know, I'm just going to do a little bit of math here. Da, 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 maybe five. This is 900 points of indirect fire. So coming up about half the list, uh, (laughs) um, which is a lot. So I think it'd be really interesting to see what happens when, like, for example, Manny's list clashes against this list, Mm -hmm. because obviously he does have seven more Terminators. uh, And he's got the Ravenwing Talonmaster on top of that. And he's got the Arbiter's Gaze as well. So, But um, I've noticed Alex and uh, Malik's list both have Ezekiel in there, which can give mm. the full rerolls to hit and wound on to one of the Terminator squads. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's... Fight last as well, right? I think is the yeah. Engulfing Fear ability. Lots of but tech. You still have to cast it in the mirror, right? And they get the deny from the... Yeah, but it's a uh, defensive cast, isn't it? It's a buff, so usually you can keep buffs out of range of denies. Um, oh, is this the fight last one a buff, is it? Uh, no, not the fight last, sorry. The reroll hits and wounds, which is the more important right. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're seeing all different flavors of indirect variants of it now, <laughs> isn't it? Um, now, I know Malik submitted a very similar list to this last time, but didn't end up playing the tournament. So um, we'll, see if, uh, we'll see if it comes to fruition this time. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that's a very entertaining weekend of. We like shit. So that's that's the kind of that's where the Dark Angels have gone. Uh, now, someone who I think is quite interesting is, is Adam Lane. Seems to just play the previous winning list or one of the previous top winning lists yeah. of the previous <laughs> tournament. I've noticed that he will he will either play the exact list or he'll play like, someone who came second. Uh, but he is on Space Force as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got two units of Desolation Marines, uh, one unit of Long Fangs, three units of Sky Claws, which have really good uh, value in them, uh, three units of Wolfen, uh, three units of Wolfguard, two units of Infiltrators, and just one HQ just to Captain on Bikes. So, I think um, this is his list. I don't think he's copied this one. Uh, 
This, oh, I wasn't at the previous tournament, so I don't know what Alex Harrison was no, playing. I, I just, think this uh... is a little bit different. Like, okay. you know, to give Adam Lane his credit, it is a little bit different. And I think this list epitomizes what Space Wolves can do. It's just a million melter guns in complete MSU. When they deploy it, it looks like a horde <laughs> of Marines. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see how he gets on. Actually, this is actually a pretty fun list to play, uh, to yeah, be honest. So. Uh, yeah, you just kind of like run at your opponent. You've got your, all your little tech pieces, and all of a sudden you can just blow up any tank you look at. Um, yeah. So, yeah, best of luck to Adam for that one. Yep, that's uh, going to be good. And I guess, so we should we should touch on the seams list because obviously mm-hmm. Nassim and I uh, chat a little bit about guard. Uh, we're probably, I guess, the two preeminent guard players in the UK right now. Now, what I think is interesting is Nassim has gone the opposite direction that I've gone. Now, mm-hmm. whether this is due to model availability or not uh, is, you know, um, you know, there is a reality that comes into that guys that not everyone can just get these ridiculous forge world models. Uh, but he's gone the other way, and he's got a lot of lot of sentinels. And I think this is a good list. I so let me let me run through it first before I talk about it. Mm-hmm. KD Command School with the Ogre and Finial, you know, redeploy, blah blah blah. Death Call Marshall, who is uh, my boyo. Uh, Leontis with the five up CP regain. And uh, Tank Commander with Gatekeeper, Meticulous Calibrator, which is Ignore Cover. Three units of Shock Troops. Two units of Kassigan. Now, he's gone with Veteran Gorillas, which is Ignore Cover on his Barbican Key unit, instead of the uh, Ignore Heavy penalty. Which is interesting. There is there is merit to both. Mm-hmm. The argument being, if you're in Veteran Gorillas, then you can tie your finial into the range, and you ignore the Heavy penalty anyway. Uh, and then the brutal strength argument is that you can operate independent of where, you've, where your finial is. Mm-hmm. So that's the pros and cons of them. Uh, the finial, the brutal strength version is just a little bit better um, operating in and of itself. And it gets plus one to strength when you charge or something like that. But, you know, I mean, with four reels hit and wound, you know, they're not bad. But the meat and potatoes of this list, he's got mm-hmm. two units of three armored sentinels, <laughs> one unit of two armored sentinels, and one unit of three scout sentinels. So Whoa. all in up. He's all got sentinels. eight eight armored sentinels and three scout sentinels for eleven sentinels total. Now, in addition to that, he's got two units of three heavy mortar squads. Uh, so just three mortar, two more, well, two two squads of three mortars, <laughs> and then he's got the lemon rust battle tank. Uh, he is playing armored tracks on his, and he's got the flamer loadout with the execution of plasma, which mm-hmm. I think is the right choice in the meta now. Mm-hmm. And then he's got one chimera with the heavy flamer. So. I guess the thing that I would be worried about this list is that its footprint is very, very large. So actually, in my list, I opted to shave off one of these Sentinels uh, to reduce my footprint a little bit when I skimmed my points to get the 40 points. And um, Nassim has gone the other way, and he's got three Lehman Russes, 11 Sentinels, and a Chimera. It's going to be difficult to hide all that, and the problem when when you play guard is that when you put a lot into reserve it hampers your secondaries a lot and it hampers your board position um quite a lot because you don't get orders when you come out of um when you come out of strat reserve so it'll be really interesting to see how it goes obviously if he goes first this board this list has a ton of board presence so it'll be extremely hard to shift Mm -hmm. because there is a lot of thickness in the uh three lemon russes and obviously 11 sentinels so we'll have to see how it goes man but the pro i mean the thing is you know, with that direct fire with um, with the Desolation Marines, they have a lot of output. So mm-hmm. that's the that's the one downside to having a big footprint. Obviously, this seems a great player though. So it'd be really interesting to see how uh, how each of us go. We're both we're both playing the um, Scout Sentinels, which is something I I previously didn't play. 
but I think you know I'm going to need a little bit of luck, which I think scouts and criminals are, are great at. At the top of Nassim's list, he's written, I'm just trying to survive the desolation of London that has come about due to Manchester and Peak Games Workshop rules writing. <laughs> Hit the nail on yeah. the head, Nas. Nail on the head there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's that. I guess that's Marines and Guard and then you, Vic, as well. Is there, Were there any other lists? I've got one other list I wanted to... Oh, yeah, go on. Go well. for it. So, uh, my good friend, uh, Jack Tight. Uh, is playing uh, Zinch Demons, which I think is a very interesting list in the meta right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's playing Bellacore, he's playing Mono Zinch, Bellacore, Fate Skimmer, Flux Master, uh, one unit of 10 Pink Horrors, two Exalted Flamers, uh, three units of five Flamers, one unit of three Screamers, two Burning Chariots, uh, and he's actually got two Chaos Knights here with the Stubbers, um, Wardog Executioners uh and the mirror of fates upgrade i think this is an interesting list i could def- like i could definitely see the logic behind moving into something like zinch where you get the minus one to hit warp storm ability outside of 12 and then you have a natural three up and vulnerable save against what is ultimately going to be a lot of desolation greens um so i am actually surprised that maybe alex harrison didn't play uh zinch demons because i know he played that at the international loki that might have been uh might have been a cool list yeah, well, good luck to Jack. This is, uh, I, you know, I would love it if uh, just something just completely left field just won the tournament. That would be yeah. so good. Uh, so I'm rooting for anyone not playing Desolation Marines is my, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, my uh, aim for the event. <laughs> I mean, is it, is, you know, between us and all honesty, is there realistically anything else here that could, you know, you know, threaten, uh, the, threaten the top of the curve here? No, I think that, that covers like, the the bulk of the lists and kind of like highlighted the key lists um and i think probably what's more interesting is kind of what our aim is going into an event like this where we're a little bit behind like are you still going in dave with the mindset that you want to win the event or where are you at um i'm gonna say my my philosophy hasn't changed that much since southampton because it worked really well for me there i'm just gonna you know i'm taking a little bit of a gamble and i think with gambles you've just got to accept it up front right mm-hmm. you gotta so accept that take it you know if it if it doesn't go your way it doesn't go your way you can't get angry at yourself for making the decision after the fact which i think is really easy to get sucked into mm-hmm. the reality is is that you're taking a risk and sometimes risks pay off and it's important just not to look at them in hindsight and just look at them in percentages right like you know you're 10 percent behind but you could get a big swing that puts you 30 percent up you know on a 50 percent roll off you know for example right mm-hmm. um doesn't always go like that like you know, Triple Earthshake has got its flaws to it as well. They can get tagged. They're quite large. Uh, but at the same time, if I, you know, maybe have perhaps skill out my earlier games and then I can get into Marines, then hopefully it goes well. So win, lose, just want to play well. That's, uh, that's it. That's just play, play the best you can. And I think I, I'm on a similar kind of thing here. Um, I'm playing with a really cool army that I enjoy playing. So I'm going in hoping to just enjoy every game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, we can we can touch on this point now. Um, I, I feel like there have been worse indirect matters where I've... Oh, I can hear this. Wait, wait, okay, wait, wait, wait. Hold up, hold up. Do you want to you, do this? You, in no, you said, you, said something, uh, you said something good there. Uh, I was about to submit Thousand Suns um, to Ooh, the tournament because yes. I really love the army and I was hoping that they'd have a good matchup into Desolation Marines um, and I was about to ask you the day before submission if I could borrow some more Terminators mm-hmm. but um, I think I was close to the same boat you know where it was like well if the you know the meta is 
has so many variables at the moment that are just completely out of your player skill control, mm-hmm. then perhaps I should be looking at something where I could do well, but I would also get a hell of a time playing. And, you know, I'm, I'm still addicted to casting. Stuff, That's, so. I mean, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I, and the key thing is we've got to go and be able to enjoy this event. And I think the Desolation Marine profile does allow you to still have some element of a game going second. Obviously, you've got to, mm. you, you're completely right. You've got to tech in with some of your own tools, and some part of that is often some indirect fire. Yeah. Um, and I think even if I go second with my list, I'll be able to give the Desperation Marine list a game. Mm. And there's nothing sweeter than the look of panic when someone has underestimated what you're about to do and found themselves <laughs> caught in your trap and i'm just gonna live for those moments through this tournament uh, <laughs> some unsuspecting non-player that we just mentioned is gonna fall into big trap as well <laughs> yeah yeah I, it's it's good i mean it's gonna be in london there are gonna be a, a ton of great people there as well mm-hmm. so um you know, it's great. It's our backyard. It's my backyard. Well, it's still an hour up, <laughs> but uh, you know, relatively my backyard as well. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's nice. I mean, I, I won the last London Open uh, last time I was yeah, on, so nice. it'd be nice to uh, nice to take the crown again. But you know, it's it's also important to be super realistic, right? Like you're still going to play the game to have fun, and you know, even in a middle like this, you can still make bad decisions or bad play mistakes. So it's still important to play well. So talking about a meta like this, I think we should do a little jazz break and a little last section just on the upcoming balance data slate. Right, guys we're back but Vic is going to be kicking it off because you <laughs> we've been talking a little bit in the team recently and you know as you could probably guess the uh the podcast here is an extension somewhat of our team conversations right mm-hmm. uh, because obviously Vic and I are both involved in it but we talk about similar topics all the time and there are of course times where differing opinions emerge on uh you know historical events and the subject <laughs> of interpretability interpretation of those events uh so Vic you were just about to open the can of worms, which is you thought that in the past, the indirect meta has been actually worse than this. Yeah, so I, I've I've lived through this game for a bit now. Okay, and... I think it's it's important, I think, up front to clarify what you mean by indirect. Yes, so, so for me, my definition of indirect fire includes um, both directly indirect units, you know, Thunderfire Cannons, Hive Guard, Airburst Fragmentation Launchers, the current Desolation Marines, um, and the Orc Buggies, all of those, and also includes Flyers. For me, Flyers play a very similar kind of role where they get in behind you and there's no hiding from them. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is, we've been through many, many metas with Flyers. I'm not going to go through all of them. I've played both of these most oppressive lists, by the way, so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so in my opinion, the damage profiles on those particular indirect fire metas and flyer metas meant that if you went second into them, it doesn't matter what you have. If you have the same list, if you have any list, any faction, you are almost definitely losing the game going second. Now, I feel in this particular meta, both with mortars and also the profile on Desolation Marines, Desolation Marines are worse, they're AP2, both of them do not ignore cover and their strength is below seven. So I, I believe that you can tailor your list to deal with them in a way that was impossible to do um, before. Now, I think we are maybe talking about slightly different points here, but I'll let Dave hit his counter-argument. Yeah, so I think um, 
first of so from a from the perspective of playing both of these so i played i came fifth at lvo when um i was the preeminent crusher stampede player and that was when hive guard were ultimately at their peak you had the eighth edition tournament codex with crusher stampede on top and then you had the leviathan supplement on top you're effectively playing with three books here <laughs> and that's when you could have exploding sixes chapter masters blah 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 on hive guard shoot twice blah 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 mm-hmm. now that in isolation was very powerful indirect don't get me wrong 100 and player plays terrain only exacerbated that uh however in the top eight there was only two people playing that myself and alex mcdougall and then in the top eight oh then i'll move on to the uh no no this is for LV. oh for LV. Um, okay yeah. and then uh the the counterpoint um you know i played admic flyers i didn't play like the six i played i think three at most uh and then i played um harpies with tyranids obviously of course mm-hmm. the difference there is that tyranids were strong regardless of whether or not you had harpies mm-hmm. and harpies weren't kind of the single warping thing they they rounded out your army to a point um where you know it covered a lot of flaws that you had because you know obviously you didn't have a lot of um direct shooting reach or you couldn't get around corners um the difference between aircraft and and indirect was that you could you could always lose your aircraft going second of course so mm-hmm. there was there's a level of interactability with aircraft that there actually aren't with uh with pure indirect fire mm-hmm. and what i would say is that in the metas if we just consider indirect fire the reason it feels different to me now is that when I played Alveo top eight, for example, there were other armies in the meta that challenged the indirect fire data sheet, i.e. hive guard through non-indirect fire, right? So uh, you could play Thick City, for example, you could play Custodes, um, Grey Knights were good then, and of uh, Adeptus Mechanicus by one by Richard Siegler, of course, as well. So th- the reason why that for me didn't feel as bad was because it doesn't create this arms race of like the only best way to uh, deal with this indirect fire is through stacking my own indirect fire you could be like well actually i've got really op defensive data sheets here like i'm just going to roll with those and i'll just tank all your indirect fire because that's how good my data sheets are and that period feels a little bit different from this period where I think a lot of the players are either opting to just roll the dice and alpha strike you or um you know like myself uh and then or play indirect fire to match their indirect fire and essentially what you're doing there is you're just hoping to indirect fire off their indirect fire to a lot to a to an extent right and mm-hmm. um that's that's where it feels different is that the I, I really don't like that the only answer is indirect fire um because a lot of the other data sheets get shelled out because the vengal launchers are so tough and it's not the fact that the Bengal launchers, obviously, you know, you know, we can't ignore the fact that actually they have a direct fire dark lance on top of them as well. Which, if they only had the indirect fire, I think it would actually maybe be okay. But it's, the problem is that they actually have the direct fire as well, which just, I mean, why do they have that? <laughs> <laughs> you see, I think the underlying problem with the Desolation Marines is not actually the unit itself, because the unit itself in isolation is is on the verge of okay, in my opinion. I know this is outrageous to everyone listening to this. But if you put that particular unit in a number of different factions, it's okay. But I think because it's within Marines in a situation where a lot of their units are under-costed, the entire army put together is quite oppressive to deal with. Um, And I don't think that that is on the back of the Desolation Marines themselves being overpowered. I think it's the back of the entire army being under-costed. 
and the so Desolation Marines are the sprinkle. They're the final finishing touch that creates an element of attrition. Yeah, so it's the context of the meta that matters a lot, right? Mm -hmm. As to whether or not it amplifies them. And I think, yeah, you and I, I think along the same lines there as well, actually, is that the context of the meta when I played Indirect was actually a lot different because there were answers to Indirect outside of Indirect itself. You know, you didn't see everyone just playing a hive guard, right? Like people weren't like, oh, I'm gonna play twelve hive guard to counter your six. It was like, no, actually I'm you know, there are a lot of other armies that are super viable there. You had custodians that could turn off full rerolls, transhuman on bikes back then, you know, they were fast, they could tag. Um you had Tau with indirect yeah. fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, I mean so yeah, the Tau meter was a little bit different as well. It was right? at the same time though, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, there was like well, a small overlap between the two. Yeah, I mean LVO was played before the Tau book came out. But I, I don't think we should put too much just on LVO because yeah. there are times in very recent history where there have been things like um, the Imperial Fist Artillery Gunline, uh, which was truly a first turn just win list. There was almost nothing okay. in the game that could stand up against that. Yeah, I will 100% I will grant you that that is more oppressive than Desolation Marines. Grant, 100% no argument from me, but that's a little bit too far back in my opinion. I would also say the Orc Buggies are almost impossible to win going second into because of the level of indirect fire. But I also agree with you that this is the first time we're kind of seeing indirect fire versus indirect fire at such a high quantity. But I yeah. don't think that's on the back of how good the Desolation Marines are. I think that's because of two factors. And probably the primary factor is that the UK meta has kind of transitioned into the stage where the top players are switching armies just on the drop of a hat. Yeah. We play so many major events where all of the good players attend that people try and get ahead of the meta and really jump onto yeah. the, the new hotness. Mm -hmm. And Manchester was a complete anomaly. You don't see like 10 out of 12 of the top players all switching to this new unit. That's mm -hmm. so rare. Just yeah. <laughs> um, so, to show you how much, how, how accelerated it is over here though, really. The game, the game, and it's getting worse. <laughs> like That's yeah. a big part which wasn't necessarily there. Crusher Stampede was an amazing list at the time. So was Hail of Doom. But if those lists existed now, I think we would see people jump onto them immediately when the rules are out you think so no i think so no way man crushes uh, then people get absolutely obliterated if you in second you know Guarantee. the strongest oh, list in my opinion in ninth edition was the liquefier rack spam yep. uh, which got nerfed very quickly now there were two tournaments before that got nerfed where it was not prolific but i think now it just people would have just 3d printed them in an instant and just oh, brought them out yeah. to a tournament um and we would have seen 90 percent of the top of the meta playing it I 100% agree. I just don't agree that Crusher Stampede would be the pinnacle example of that because you have 18 wood monsters and people will just walk their Desolation Marines out and shoot you off the board. Uh, yeah. Crusher Stampede and Tyranids uh, at that particular time were really strikingly confusing why they weren't popular, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Um, That's true. It was only Ennis Wilson and I that uh, actually won tournaments with it, if I recall correctly. It, it was just a low play rate as well. Yeah. It was just weird. Um, it was only towards kind of the end, um, after the new codex came out and everything, that mm. the popularity really started to spike up. But that was very late and very slow. Mm. Um, so yeah, okay, we're drifting off <laughs> away from the point. But I think the fundamental point is that no one likes an indirect fire meta. We've yeah. lived through multiple of them um and all of them suck <laughs> they all suck yeah. you suck if you're playing desolation marines no um it's tough isn't it really i mean the game is it's a beautiful game as well 
So it's a little bit of a shame that we have had to wait so long for this brilliant segue, which is the balance balance data slate, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, we were all hoping that this balance data slate would drop before the list submission. Uh, at least those of us not playing decision <laughs> in general, because I think there are some ob- very obvious points. And having said that, here's the thing, Vic. Mm-hmm. I know that the GW reps did go to the previous Manchester tournament, mm-hmm. and I know that they pay attention to these things now. And because the balance data slate, I'm not going to say it's been delayed because they did in some articles reference to when it would come out after Easter and whatnot. Uh, yes, however, yeah. mm-hmm. they, you know, they've had the Easter break, four day weekend, you know, to think about anything else they want to put in there. So I've got a little bit of a good feeling that actually there's going to be about seven or eight, maybe nine different changes across like three or four factions here mm-hmm. that are actually, it's actually going to overhaul or tone down. They're, they're going to hit a lot of stuff all at once, in my opinion. I hope so. I hope they go in that direction rather than allowing the meta to just crumple and die to create excitement for 10th. Yeah, uh, which would also be like a business tactic, you know, that could work. Yeah. But I think it would be better for them just to ride momentum of goodwill from the community yeah. uh, moving into 10th. And um, I, I agree with you. I, I'm really hopeful and I'm quite confident that they will make a handful of changes that will be mm. impactful to the game. Um, this meta is is solvable. Um, with just a few changes, I think, and it could be one of a huge number of changes. So hopefully they can't they can't miss the mark. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think in the beginning uh, I said that I was going to give some unbiased opinions on how to balance. Mm-hmm. I think here is my genuine, honest take, okay. and it'll be interesting to see if you think this is like too much, too little, or something like that. So mm-hmm. for God, there we go. I'd move inflexible command to one point per bullet point that you can score. So a maximum of three points if you have all your tanks, infantry, and your um, and you kill a unit under an order in one turn. Maximum mm-hmm. three. So fifteen if you have inflexible command and kill everything and do everything for the whole game, which mm-hmm. seems fair. Boots on the ground, I would leave as is. I think that's actually a pretty balanced secondary. Now, I think the way I would tackle guard is I would remove the core keyword from mortars. Now, this would mean that. You can still put four rerolls to hit on them from Leontis, I believe, uh, but you wouldn't be able to get four rerolls to hit and wound. They wouldn't get the finial, and they wouldn't get real ones to hit and wound. So maybe you would just take like one or two squads, maybe, because they would still get boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I would leave the points and everything else the same as is. Then I would... Um, the next one's tough. I would Obviously, I'll cap the Cassigans at uh, six mortal wounds um, total for the unit, at, you know. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, would I put the points up on some things? I would put five points up on Scout Sentinels, maybe. Let's assume they're... that you can't do points changes. Okay, can't do points changes, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I think I think that would be just about it. You know, the other ones you could do is take core away from Kaskin or Sentinels. Yep. That would but... be the one I would consider. Yeah, but the thing is, if you take core away from Kaskin, they still get the four rolls to hit. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, you're obviously fishing for fives to hit anyway. So... That doesn't mm. actually do that much. And taking core away from Sentinels, like, it just, um, it really removes a lot of the flavor of them, I think. Maybe mm. you can't give Sentinels uh, Perfectus orders. That kind of makes sense, maybe. So maybe I would do that change as well. And I think that that would tone down. It would just, like, shave off the edges of the some edge. of the things off. You know, mm. it wouldn't, like, like, fundamentally, I could play the same list, but it just wouldn't be as powerful, right? Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that's a very fair take because I think Guard are potentially a little bit overrated in the community. They're very, very good, but I think it's very easy just to nerf them into the ground, into nothingness. Um, yeah, and they've done that a lot. Like, 
Turnids, they just nerfed into the ground. Eventually. We have to say yeah, eventually. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like it's just not healthy. I've, I said that when they got nerfed as well, right? I said, it's just not healthy to nerf armies into the ground. Like, it's just, like... Yeah. I mean, that's... if they deserve it or not, sure. But it, all in all, it's not healthy. For the game. That's the guard side. I think um, that's, like, a really good take on it. Yeah. Um, Baharat on... should go up, like, 20 points, right? Uh, he's already gone up like twice. <laughs> he keeps going up. They just they just messed up that unit. Um, I, it, it's too late now. You guys have to deal with that now until we, until ten. Um, I think on the marine side, I think the fixes are very simple. The problem is that you can't. I would love it if they did it on the point side. Like you know, it would be so easy just to increase the cost of, you know, Deathwing Terminators. Put them up five. Sure. It, yeah, it'll just take 10 seconds, just do it, and then oh, job done. And then just uh, change Codex Warfare, uh, or make it so that the, the doctrines, you can't just pick and stay in whatever doctrine you want to. Yeah. And I think Marines will be fine. If they don't have Devastator Doctrine all the way through the game, or they just have it on turn one like they used to, I think yeah. that just covers so many of the problems <laughs> that Marines yeah. have at the moment. Yeah, maybe it's like, this sounds bizarre, but maybe they create a generic stratagem for Marines where... You has to you have to pay three CP to to activate the doctrine for your entire army, and three CP would mean that you would you would have to start on more CP, and you only net two per battle round, so you couldn't really just spam it and keep yourself in the doctrine. But it would still kind of give you the flexibility of maybe having it for one turn or. But it, it's, it's just really cool and thematic for Marines to switch from Devastator Doctrine to Tactical yeah. to Assault. That's just yeah. how they flow. That's their their codex. So, But for them, maybe if they go back to rolling through the Doctrines, they should flip Codex Warfare around the other way where you score more points later on in the game, right? For like uh, in close yeah. combat or rapid fire weapons or something like that. I think the reason they've done it is because Devastator Doctrine only should last for one turn, whereas yeah. Tactical and Assault Doctrine both can last for more turns. Yeah. Um, they can last longer, but they're more manageable, right? They Whereas are more manageable. Ravenwing obviously benefit from Devastate Doctrine the most. I, I think this is a big kind of thing that the rule inside of the um, GT book was written before the balance change to Marines. So it's been designed with Doctrines yeah. in the old way, and it's been released at a time when Doctrines have been allowed to be chosen whenever they want, which is outrageous on Devastated Doctrine, yeah. uh, which is already the best Doctrine anyway. So yeah, yeah fix that, please, GW. And it, it creates just a completely one-dimensional way of list building, right? Like, there's no real room for creative expression there to a degree, right? Yeah. Like, like... I would actually completely leave the Desolation Marines as they are, um okay. and i would just make devastated doctrine only last for one turn and adjust the points on deathwing terminators and i yeah. think you actually have a balanced meta at that point because then they stay at ap1 right which is a huge difference to oh, being ap2 constantly so manageable for a, for an almost 200 point unit um that is not enough in direct fire yeah because um, maybe for example your opponent plays a little bit of indirect that can kill your desolation marines which mm -hmm. are going to be more expensive than their indirect and all of a sudden it's like, wow, do I play them? Do I not? Well, and... you don't even do the indirect war. You just have yeah. so many profiles that are defensively can survive against that. Yes, yeah. it would be meta warping. There would be a lot of units that you can't run. Same with mortars. Mortars and Desolation Marines will have the same profile, essentially. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's completely manageable. Very easy to deal with. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe the conversation would turn from playing five des 15 Desolation Marines to, like, Maybe I play five because it rounds out my army in a lot of matchups. And then maybe the guard player is like, maybe I play one Earthshaker and two Mortars, you know, in case I hit the Desolation Marines and Marines in general, you know, sort of thing. Which is a lot more manageable than, 
okay, I need to play more than my opponent. <laughs> the, the way it currently is, of course. Yeah. Not so... that I'm playing more, by the way. I'm only playing 360 points of Urshakenis, which is not even two squads of uh, this legendary. <laughs> I, I'm hoping that they will do a couple of changes to secondaries, because I think that's a big part of this. Yeah. Um, that would be able to balance things quite well. I think it's very unlikely that some of the weaker factions will get touched in this and improved. Oh, um, you think so? I think we'd be very lucky if that was the case. I think Death Watch is uh, owed to uh, maybe get a buff. Is it uh, going to rework doctrines? Maybe they'll maybe they'll look at Death Watch as well. It's pretty Death, obvious. Death Watch will just be outrageous if they mess them up. <laughs> I'm so glad they didn't mess them up. <laughs> yes, uh, they do get a lot of free walk. <laughs> yeah, it's just it, yeah, it would be really silly. I'm so glad that they kind of oh, missed a couple of things on them because uh, they will just be utterly broken. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to play you with, with Death Watch. Is so good. I get all my rerolls at once and just randomly. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, and that's kind of yeah. I don't know, Dave. Did you have any other things you would love to see? In the no, I mean, maybe touching transhuman or something to do with the Raven Wing. Uh, maybe just removing the invulnerable, so it's always a five up instead of a four up when you advance. Oh, I don't know, so but if they change devastated doctrine, obviously you don't get that as much. So. Yeah. Um, that'd be a good way to hit it, really, wouldn't well, it? We'll see. P probably when people listen to this, the data slate may be out at that time or on the same day. Yeah. Um, I'm expecting Thursday this week. Ooh. Okay, GSC, they're going to change a, uh, a secondary or two as well. So. Well, yes, probably. Yeah. Yes, that makes and sense. And then uh, I don't think any other faction will really... I hope they do a little bit with Thousand Suns, maybe, because I know they do have a low win rate. My theory is that they, they look at the top two and the bottom two, and then they... That's where they move it up and then move it down. <laughs> yeah, that's very likely. And then there's a new top two, and then all the good players play that top two, and its win rate goes huge as well, of course. As it's long as it's squished and it's all around the middle, that means you can play like more interesting factions, whatever you want, and still have yeah. a chance. That's the perfect meta. Um, so, yeah, at the moment, we've got kind of the marine factions a little bit too strong. Yep. Uh, well, you know, they were terrible for a long time, so, you know... Maybe yeah. it's fair. Maybe we're paying our taxes, aren't we? Strong, not broken. That's that's the aim. <laughs> exactly. Strong, not broken. Episode 19. We're chatting about the London Open. Hopefully, we're going to be coming back after this weekend with a teammate or one of us. We are coming back with the dub. So, we'll see. It's going to be another stack top four, regardless of what it is. If it's a top two, top four. I hope it's a top two. Uh, be, oh, I hope it's a top four, sorry. I'm top four, I hope so too. Yeah, that would be amazing. 150 players. It should be a top four. That's what we're hoping for. Episode 19, we're going to be coming back with episode 20 with the W. Team Ignite, Team oh, Vic, Team David. We're going to survive the desolation. Oh, God. We're not. So we're just going to... We're just going to play some games. We're going to play some 40K, man. That's it at the end of the day. Thank you very much for listening, guys. If you've gotten this far, really appreciate it. I know all those Spotify listeners and uh, everything else, you guys just keep it rolling to the end. So wherever you're doing, if you're on your morning commute, you're in the uh, going for a walk in the park or you're just doing some work listening to us babble, Thank you very much. Really appreciate your support. We're going to be doing some uh, interesting things for a thousand subscribers, hopefully, or whatever benchmark we want to hit. Uh, we've got plans to continue the podcast for the rest of the year, haven't we? So nothing, uh, nothing stopping us. Brilliant. Yeah. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. Take care, and we'll see you after the London Open. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the 40K Fireside Podcast. Vic and I hope you've enjoyed listening and we greatly appreciate any feedback that you can provide after the show. 